Welcome to the Rosemont Baptist Church Podcast. Rosemont is a thriving group of believers who desire to connect with Jesus and His church, grow in our faith and understanding of God's Word, and serve Jesus here in our local area and around the world. We are located in LaGrange, Georgia at 3794 Hamilton Road and invite you to join us for either of our two services on Sunday mornings. Please visit our website at rosemontchurch.org for more information. And now we pray that God speaks to you in a personal way as you listen to this week's message from Pastor Adam Camp. Thank you, Lord, again for another opportunity, Lord, just to celebrate and to sing and to praise your name. Lord, the opportunity to celebrate again baptisms, uh, new creations into your kingdom, Father, because of the forgiveness of Jesus. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you for what you're doing. We ask you to continue, Lord, to work in this church to do great work in the lives of the people here as we impact our community and our world. And I pray for our time together now, Lord. Open the truth of your word to us. Help us to understand, to be challenged, to be transformed more and more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles now. Open to Psalm chapter 32. Psalm chapter 32. We're continuing our study through the book of Psalms. This morning, as you're finding Psalm 32, just a quick reminder, uh, the one is upcoming in December. It's the 15th, 16th, 17th, and 18th, uh, twice nightly. Next week, the 30th of October, tickets are available. They're free. They don't cost anything, but you do need to reserve your spot. We're going to have tickets. uh, uh, We're going to have little sheets of paper for everybody next week. Actually, they're little cards, little three-by-five cards that give information, times, dates, and on the back there's a little QR code people can scan for tickets. We've got thousands of those printed. We want you to take as many as you need, as many as you want to give away. Uh, Those are available for you to give to family and friends. Again, we want you to come, but we really want non-believers. We want people that are not in a church. We want to be able to share the message of Jesus Christ with these people in kind of a unique way at Christmas time. So you pray about that. Our prayer team's been praying about it for a while. Our staff has been praying about it. Uh, next week you can grab those little cards and then those tickets will be available. Now we're preaching through portions of the book of Psalms, right? We're skipping around a little bit, but we've kind of divided it up into kind of four main categories. The the first category was the idea of creation and God's goodness and his glory. Then we started talking about the fall and sin. Uh, Last week we looked at Psalm 130 and then the cry out for help Uh, the hope of the grace of the Lord, the the promise eventually of his redemption. This week, we're moving into this category more of forgiveness and redemption in Christ. So creation, fall and sin, now redemption and our desperate need for a savior, right? So Psalm chapter 32 is written by David, and I want to kind of give you the big picture so you know where we're going. You can kind of listen for these things as we work through this text together. But this psalm is, is really a reminder. I want you to hear this now. That true joy comes only from living in the presence of the Lord and living in his forgiveness and his grace. Now listen, the world's going to tell you a lot of things. There are plenty of books written. There are plenty of documentaries. There are plenty of uh, experts in their fields that will tell you that happiness and joy come from certain areas, you need to understand as a follower of Jesus Christ that true happiness and, listen, abiding joy comes only from living in the forgiveness and the grace and in the presence of the Lord. And so if you're looking for that happiness or joy somewhere else, if you're hoping to find it in another area of life, if you think that you can find that forgiveness in some other way, you're going to be mistaken. 
right? And so I want you to hear this truth. I want you to understand this truth. I want you to live by this truth as we work through Psalm 32 together, beginning in verse one. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of the summer. Let's stop there for a minute. I want you to see kind of the main idea in these first four verses. And then we're gonna see how David is gonna reconcile this. But here's the first truth. Number one, the problem of sin. The problem of sin. Sin. Now, we're going to get here in a few minutes, but most people want to minimize, they want to set aside, they want to ignore the dangers of sin. David in Psalm 32 is going to hit this head on, and he's going to begin with an interesting word there in verse 1, blessed. Now, if I were to walk around this room, if I were to come into your living room at home, those of you who are watching at home, and say to you, does anybody in here want to be blessed probably every hand would go up. Right? We, we want to receive blessings. Now, if I ask you to define blessing, I would get a lot of different answers. Right? A lot of people see blessings in different ways, and oftentimes the world, kind of outside Christianity, sees blessing monetarily or with job situations or fame or fortune or whatever the case may be. And there, there absolutely are blessings in financial things, and job situations, we get that. We're not minimizing those things, but I would say to you there is a greater blessing, and the greatest blessing that we see in this scripture is that we have been forgiven by the Lord of our sins, right? That's the greatest blessing. And I think as believers, and maybe I can just speak for myself here, I think sometimes we forget that. Like the fact that we've been forgiven of our sins in Christ and promised life ever after with him is the greatest blessing we'll ever receive. Because if somebody gave you a, 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 a sum of money that you could never imagine, that might bless you here on this earth, but you're not taking it with you, right? You're not taking that job with you or all the things you've accomplished in this world. None of those things are going with you. So we begin to understand by what this psalmist says and by being reminded of other portions of Scripture, the greatest blessing we can receive is the forgiveness of our sins and eternal life through Jesus Christ. We need to be reminded of that because that's not what the world thinks. And if we're not careful, we gravitate more and more toward these blessings that the world calls for, these shiny objects, and we forget what Jesus has done for us. And so David's going to remind us of these things. And he's gonna use three words in these first couple of verses that talk about being separated from the Lord. He's gonna talk about transgression. He's gonna talk about sin. He's gonna talk about iniquity, right? Now, those kind of have little shades of differences, but basically what we would say is that anything that separates us from the Lord, anything that goes against his word, against his eternal law, uh, against his holiness, those things are sins, they're transgressions, they're iniquities. They separate us from the Lord. Now, here's the thing we need to understand. And this is what far too many followers of Jesus forget. We forget that sin leads to death. 
All right, Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We're real good at minimizing, justifying sin. It's not that big of a deal. Everybody's doing it. It's pretty normal. I saw this person on the internet talking about it. The world can say what they want. We need to be reminded scripturally that the wages of sin is death. Now, I said something last week that I want to circle back to because it's caused some interesting discussions this week for me. And by the way, I love when people call me and say, listen, I'd love to talk to you about something you said in your sermon. I'd love to ask you some questions. I want you to clarify something for me. That's a win in my opinion. Because we're thinking about the things of the Lord, right? We're being challenged in our faith. Right? You're challenging me a little bit. Am I standing here and proclaiming rightly the word of God? That's your responsibility, by the way. Like if I ever come over and preach heresy, you should find somebody else to do what I'm doing. And I take that very seriously. And so if you want to have conversations, I'm happy to have them. But a couple of people asked me, can you clarify what you, what you meant last week when you said this? So I'm going to read kind of the quote I was talking about when you're in a bad situation and you're struggling through difficult things. The psalmist in, in 130 talks about how his iniquities had caused that. And so I said, oftentimes the struggles we go through, the difficulties we face are a result of our own sin in our lives, which is true, Right? Absolutely, our sins sometimes lead us to bad places. But I would also encourage you, sometimes you may be struggling in a difficult situation because of the sins of other people, right? Maybe you're in a situation where you're trying to seek the Lord, you're trying to follow him, you're trying to live for him, and the people around you are not. So I just want to kind of encourage you in those moments and help you understand that, that in those times, even if you are living for Christ, but other people aren't, you find yourself in a, in a situation where it's difficult because of other people's sins, you should always be reminded to hope in the Lord, but you should also be reminded to pray for those people and love them in the name of Jesus even when they're unlovable. And that's difficult for us, right? Maybe you're in a bad situation at work or at home or socially or in some club you're in or whatever family, whatever the case may be, and these other people have sinned even against you, right? So there's this mindset sometimes of lashing back out and sinning against them. Because if you go call me a bad name, I'm calling you a bad name back, right? Because then we feel real good about it. And our flesh feels good, right? I'm, I'm the world's worst about this driving. And my wife is real good to point out, you're the pastor. <laughs> yeah, but that guy doesn't know how to drive. And that didn't change the fact that I'm the pastor, right? So it feels good for us to say things, right? But we should be reminded, listen, I need to trust in the Lord, pray for those people, love them when they're unlovable. Because if you find yourself in a situation where other people have sinned against you, you're not gonna change their hearts. Only the Lord is, right? You can only control how you respond, and we need to love people the way Jesus loved them. Now, David understands the dangers of sin, because I want you to watch what he does here. This is so typical of human nature. Because he talks about sin and forgiveness and the iniquities and the transgressions in verses 1 and 2. Then notice what he does in verse 3. Pull up verse 3 for me because I want you to see it. This is typical of what we all do. He said, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Now, what does David do with his sins? He hides them. He sweeps them under the rug. He justifies them. He puts them in the 
closet that we all have, the proverbial closet, right? We've all got the skeletons in the closet. He's shoving those sins in the closet. He's locking that thing up with three or four deadbolts. Why? Because he didn't want anybody else to know about it. But notice what happens when he's bottling these things, when, these things up, when he's keeping silent, when he's being quiet. In his words, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long, right? It didn't go well with him. It was tough for him when he hid these sins, when he lied about these sins, when he was silent about these sins. Day and night, the, the hand of the Lord was heavy upon him in his words, right? When we fail to confess our sins, we struggle. So there's a problem with sin. What's the response? Look at verse five. David says, I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. So David recognizes the problem of sin. He recognizes the struggle of sin. He recognizes his own failure when he's silent and he hides his sin. So truth number two, now we see this beautiful promise of forgiveness. Right, built into verse five, right, is this promise of forgiveness. Now, David uses three different words for sin in verses one and two. He uses transgression, sin, and iniquity. And then to follow that up, he uses three words for forgiveness, right? Forgiven, my transgressions are forgiven, covered, my sin is covered, and then no iniquity, right? He counts no iniquity in me. So there's three mentions of sin, there's three mentions of forgiveness. Here's how one scholar explained that. Using three different verbs for forgiveness and three different words for sin, David is saying that the Lord can completely forgive any and all sins we commit, no matter how serious. There's great hope in that, isn't there? Like it doesn't matter to the Lord, the sins, it doesn't matter what we've thought or what we've committed. There is absolute and total forgiveness of our sins when we confess them to the Lord. But there's something important he does in verse five that I don't want you to miss, right? Before I read this and kind of highlight this to you, how many of y'all have ever noticed sin in somebody else's life? Anybody? <laughs> That's a trick question. We all have, haven't we? Like we're really good at noticing everybody else's sin. We're really good at noticing what well, that guy worked did wrong. Can you believe he did that again? Can you believe that this person said this? Can you believe they acted this way? Can, you, can, I, can I believe my spouse said this to me? Can I believe my kids acted this way? We're real good, man. We, we laser focus sometimes on what everybody else has done wrong. We're very slow sometimes to recognize the sin in our own life, aren't we? If we're not careful, that's a big time stumbling block for us, right? The plank versus the speck in the eye idea, right? I got a plank in my eye, you got a speck in your eye. I need to worry about myself first. So when it comes to sin in our life, I want you to notice what David does in verse five. I want you to notice how this is very personal for him. He's not blaming. He's not looking at somebody else. He's not saying, yeah, but they did this and it caused me to do that. Here's what he says in verse five. Notice, I acknowledge my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Right? This might be a little bit of a challenge to you, but you are responsible for your own actions, period. 
You're responsible for your sins. Somebody else may have done something in your life that led you to this point of getting frustrated. Somebody else may have said something. Somebody may be sinning against you. That's very real. That's very common. We live in that world. But the way you respond, the way you think, the way you act in those moments, all of those things are your responsibility, right? So it becomes, this is important, it becomes our responsibility, our responsibility to confess our sins to the Lord. Now, some of you might be thinking, okay, I, I get it, right? So there's, there's a problem with sin. It's deadly. Our tendency is to hide that sin, put it in the closet. I get it. When I do that, it causes me struggles and anxiety and problems. When I confess that sin to the Lord, he is faithful and just to forgive me. But some of y'all might be thinking, listen, I'm, I'm a little confused, though, because I thought we confessed our sins when we're saved. So salvation is this idea that I know I've sinned. I need to repent and seek forgiveness for my sins, right? We used to teach in the faith outline, you turn, repentance means turning from sin and self and turning to the Lord, right? So repentance is not just about saying I'm sorry. Repentance is about changing your life as well. And so you say, I thought, I thought we repented of our sins when we're saved, that is absolutely true, but that's not the last time you repent of your sins. It's not like you do it one time and it's good for the rest of your life. Instead, what we see scripturally is that as followers of Jesus Christ, we repent of our sins when we're saved, and then we on a regular basis continue to repent and confess to the Lord, right? There's this regular, ongoing, personal confession. James 5, 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Right, so it's not just a one-time deal. Your life should be characterized as a follower of Jesus Christ by regular repentance. Right? I, I blew it today in the car, Lord. I said something I should have said in front of my kids or my wife. Or I yelled at the driver, forgive me for my selfishness. Or Lord, I acted this way at work. Uh, I thought something I shouldn't have thought. I did something. For, Lord, forgive me for the way I treated that person. Right, And on and on it goes. And so there's this idea of regular, ongoing confession. Right, The problem is we don't like to do that. Again, we're good at confessing everybody else's sins. We're not always good at doing it ourselves. And yet we see this, this real clear picture throughout the Bible of confession. Right? John, 1 John 1 says, if we confess our sins, this is verse 9, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Right? It's not just the New Testament, it's the Old Testament as well. If you remember our, our study through the book of Exodus, or you remember any Old Testament history, you'll know that the people of Israel had to, on a regular basis, sacrifice animals for the forgiveness of sins. So when Jesus came, he's the perfect lamb, right? He's the perfect sacrifice without spot or blemish. So when his body is sacrificed, when his blood is spilled for us, it offers the forgiveness of sins. Hebrews 7, 27, speaking of Jesus, says he has no need like those high priests, they're looking back in the Old Testament, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once and for all when he offered up himself. Right, so we get this idea that we confess our sins, right? Sin is bad. 
There's a problem with sin. It causes death. We want to minimize it. When we do, it causes problems in our lives. When we are faithful to forgive, when we're faithful to repent and confess, the Lord is faithful to forgive, right? So where where does that lead us? Well, I want you to see what happens now in verse 6 and what our response to this should be. Therefore, Psalm 32, 6, therefore, because of what we've seen about sin and forgiveness and repentance, therefore, let everyone who is godly, he's speaking to believers here, offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Verse eight, I will instruct you and teach you in the ways you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked. Steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice. O righteousness, shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Right, so the idea of sin, it's deadly, we hide it. Repentance is necessary. When we repent, the Lord is faithful and just to forgive us. And then number three, our response, we see the joy of trusting in the Lord. There's great joy. There's great abiding joy when we repent of our sins and trust in Christ. Now, I want you to notice what happens in verse five here because it marks a change in this text. One through five are about sin, about iniquity, about struggle, about forgiveness. And then beginning in verse five, David leaves the idea of sin behind. It doesn't mention it again. Once we've confessed, our sins are completely forgiven, never to be mentioned again, right? 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So unlike that family member or that friend or whomever that might be that still might remember some of the things you've done wrong in the past and maybe even hold them against you occasionally. Once you've repented of your sins to Christ, they are as far as the east is from the west. Never mentioned again. Like the blood of Jesus fully and completely covers them. So that brings us to this beautiful place that I want you to see. And there are four kind of main things that David brings out in these last few verses, right? Here's what we get from the Lord. Here's what the Lord does for us. Here's what the Lord gives us when we fully trust in him. The first one is protection. And he talks in verse six and seven about the the rush of the great waters and how they will not reach us. And verse seven says, you are a hiding place for me, speaking to the Lord. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Now the rushing waters is kind of a throwback to the Exodus, right? So much of the Old Testament looks back to the Exodus. And when we preached through the book of Exodus, we talked about this. And I helped you to understand this a little bit, but this is looking directly back to the Red Sea, right? The children of Israel have crossed through in dry land. The Pharaoh and the Egyptian army tries to follow them through. And once they get in the middle of the sea, 
the Lord unleashes the waters upon them and they drown, right? He destroys the Egyptian army. This is the rush he's talking about of great waters. They shall not reach us, right? When we've trusted in Christ, when we've been forgiven of our sins, the rush of that water, that judgment that fell upon the people of Egypt won't fall upon us. Why? Because the blood of Christ has covered our sins. And so there's hope in his protection from wrath and judgment, but there's also this idea of protection in the way that we live, right? Now, that doesn't mean things are going to be easy. It doesn't mean our life is going to be marked with uh, simple things and everything's always going to be joyful and happy. There are going to be struggles, but here's what Jesus says in John 16. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So there's protection, not in the sense that we're going to miss the difficult things of life, but in the sense that the Lord's going to give us the peace that passes all understanding. He's going to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He's going to walk with us through the valley of the shadow of death to give us the strength we need to persevere through these difficulties, not because it's easy, but because he's strong, right? So he offers us that protection. Here's another thing he promises here in Psalm 32, instruction. Verse eight says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you, right? Everybody wants to know, what am I supposed to do next? Where am I supposed to go? What what am I I supposed to do about this job offer or this family situation or this health crisis, this financial deal? Or what kind of decision am I supposed to make? Wouldn't it be nice to have a guide in this world to know exactly what decision you're supposed to make? The Lord says, listen, if you'll trust me, follow me, I will instruct you, verse eight, teach you the way you should go. I will counsel with my eye upon you. In other words, I'm watching you. (laughs) I'm leading you, I'm guiding you, I'm directing you. Here's the third thing he promises us in this text, unfailing love. Verse 10 says, many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. One writer said it like this, the wicked trust in themselves and suffer many problems, but those who trust the Lord will be surrounded by steadfast love. It reminds me of Isaiah 40, 31, who says, they, those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not be faint. We see this this beautiful picture in Psalm 32 about the Lord's forgiveness, about the Lord's protection, about his guidance, about his love. And then we kind of end up in verse 11 with our ultimate response to these things, joy. Be glad in the Lord, rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Why are we joyful? Why do we shout Why are we rejoicing and being glad in the Lord? Because he has forgiven us of our sins. He loves us. He protects us. He guides us in the ways of life. Like who wouldn't want that? And so I just want to challenge you as I wind this thing down this morning. Have you forgotten this joy? Have you forgotten these promises Have you forgotten that the greatest blessing you will ever receive is the forgiveness of sins in your life? Because the Bible is very, very clear. We've got to be aware of the dangers of sin. They are real. 
They are real and they absolutely lead to death. We gotta be aware of the dangers of hiding those things, of sweeping those things under the rug, of being silent about those things. We've gotta ultimately confess those sins, seek the forgiveness of the Lord. And when we do that, the Lord promises to forgive us. He promises to protect us. He promises to instruct us. He promises to give us unfailing love and it leads us to this beautiful place of true joy and true peace, which is what I said at the very beginning, which only comes from trusting in the Lord and seeking his will for your life in all things. The Lord has given us this beautiful picture of what life can be like. The only question is, will you trust him with everything? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your goodness, for your mercy, for your grace, for your love, for all that you've given, for all that you've done. We thank you for this very clear picture, Lord, in Psalm 32 of the dangers of sin, the dangers of hiding those sins, the the beauty of confession and forgiveness, and then this place, Lord, of ultimate peace and ultimate joy, hoping only in you. So, Lord, give us the ability to see and understand. Give us the ability to to live this truth out in our lives, out in the world. Remind us of all the ways in which you've blessed us. At the top of that list is the forgiveness of sins and eternal life that we have in Jesus Christ. And then allow us to live a life filled with joy for your honor and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.